Welcome to the Boxing Life Podcast, where we talk about everything from boxing to business. Fighting Manny Pacquiao is is an experience. It's not a fight. Mindset to money. I, I think any business, you have to make it someone's third place. Speaking to some of the world's most interesting people. So that would be considered an example of a biohack, where like I'm hacking my biology. From Sutherland, England, now living in Los Angeles, California. You put him in the ring with me in his day, and I'm talking his best day, and I'm 50 right now. I will knock him out. Here's your host, 2008 Olympic medalist and former undefeated professional boxer, Tony Jeffries. What do you think of that new introduction, eh? <laughs> I think it's a bit better than the other one I just had made. Anyway, on this episode, we've got Chris Algieri. Chris is a former WBO World Welterweight Champion, being in some massive fights. The big one against Manny Pacquiao. And we talk about the build-up for that fight because he says it, and it says it on the introduction, it's not just a fight when you fight Manny Pacquiao, it's, it's a show, it's an event, it's huge. So it was very interesting to find out about that, find out about the mindset that he had going into that fight. We touch a little bit on brain health as well, because I, he's still a competitive fighter, so I ask him, are you, are you not worried about getting punched in the head? <laughs> Which I, I don't know if it's the best question to ask a competitive boxer, but his response was, was, was great, and I'm, I was very surprised at the way he thinks about brain health, because I've had fighters on here before that don't want to know about it, don't want to speak about it. So it was great to know that he's aware of it. Also, we speak about life after boxing, about what he's doing outside of the gym, what, what he's doing outside of, of fighting, about how he promotes himself on social media. And we find out what's next for Chris. This is a great episode. Really enjoy talking to him. Great down-to-earth lad. You will find the show notes for this episode at boxinglifepodcast.com forward slash Chris. Also, please subscribe to this podcast so every time you upload one, you get a notification. Here it is, the Boxing Life Podcast with Chris Algieri, Glenn Holmes, and myself, Tony Jeffries. Enjoy. Party people, in the place to be. Uh-huh. It's about that time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Chris, how's it going, mate? It's going great. Welcome Go. to Boxing Burn. Thank you. It's always a pleasure being here. Yeah, how do you like the gym? I love it. I love it. So, you know, I was at the other location a couple months ago, but it's my first time here. Um, and yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Great space. Yeah, thanks, mate. Chris, uh, let's tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you're a boxer, uh, but for people who don't know you, our regular listeners, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, okay, so, I mean, I started my, my career actually in kickboxing. I think um, I think a lot of people probably know about that, but um, I actually had pro, uh, 20 pro kickboxing fights. Uh, I won two world titles. I fought literally all over the world uh, in my kickboxing career. Um, started when I was 19 years old as a pro, and... Uh, had my very first boxing match, which was my, my pro debut when I was 24. That's mad. That's yeah. mad. You know, people, I get people messages and saying, I'm like, I'm 19, I'm 17, I'm 20. Do you think that's too late to start boxing? And, and I always say no, because the guy, Oddly Harrison, I don't know if you know from, yep. familiar with him, he was Absolutely. an Olympic gold medalist, and I think he started boxing when he was 18. So if people ask you that, what would you say? I would say no. I mean, I mean it, it depends on how far you want to take it. But um, you got guys like, like a Bernard Hopkins or um, Sergio uh, Martinez, the, yeah. the Argentinian fighter. He, he was a late start, too. He was like 22, right? 20, yeah, 20. yeah. He was a pro cyclist before yeah, that, yeah. I believe. So, yeah. like, he had, he had you know, professional experience um, as an athlete before. But, um, I mean, those kind of guys, they, they, they found their niche in the sport, you know, in their late 30s or yeah. mid-30s. I mean, Bernard, 
really some of his best fights were in his 40s. Right, yeah. You know, so it, it does take a long time to, to, to master, the, you know, the art of boxing, but um, I don't think it's ever too late. Did you see you started kickboxing at 19? Yeah, that was my, I started, my pro debut was, was 19 years old. In so before that, what did you do? I had, a, I had a few amateur kickboxing fights. I had right. about five or six. Yeah. I was a wrestler in high school, you know, just regular scholastic school And stuff. you won two world titles as a kickboxer? Yes. From 20 fights? Because that's not much really, is it? I was pushing for world titles after my 10th fight. I right. really wanted to. I, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I, I was actually sparring as an amateur with the current pro world champion kickboxer, um, Tim Lane, who was the USKBA world champion at the time. And, um, you know, so I, I had pro experience already. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so what made you want to want to box from kickboxing, the money? No, I mean, honestly, I was actually always a boxing uh, fan. You know, that right. was really, even where my love of kickboxing really came from. I grew up, um, you know, watching boxing with my grandfather. My, my mother's from Argentina, so we lived with my Argentinian grandparents. Yeah. And boxing is a huge sport down there. Mm-hmm. So I always grew up watching fights and hearing about champions and fighters of the past. Right. So you've been boxing now for nine years. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Fucking hell, that's ridiculous considering what you've done and, you know. Yeah, I mean, my, my sixth year was, was when I won the world title. I was 30 years old. Right. You know. So uh, tell us about your boxing career. So you've had, you've had 24 fights. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep, 24. And uh, tell us about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I started, it's a, it was been, it was a, a very grassroots approach, you know, to my career. I was really literally fighting in my hometowns and selling tickets. Like I'm talking like literally divvying up the money and counting out tickets myself, um, up until, uh, my world title fight, right, honestly. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, we just, we fought on local shows. I, I, I main evented at the, at the Paramount, which is in Huntington on Long Island, which is seven minutes from my house. Um, you know, we'd pack it out every single time. Right. You know, it was a good show, but, you know, you can only fit a 1,000 people in there. How did you become a big ticket seller, a big name? Because uh, you're dashing good looks. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. But no. um, honestly, you know what really helped me out? Social media. The advent of Facebook came out around the time, like my college years. and It's so interesting listening to you talk about your boxing career because I feel like you two are, like, completely the same. Because like he, he had the same sort of thing experience. Yeah, big up, following. Big local following mm-hmm. and was like early on social media and all that kind of stuff. And it just goes to show like I've, if you put effort into the, the kind of business side as well, if you've got the talent and the ability with the boxing, that's what Absolutely. helps elevate you to that next level, I guess. You got to, by all, all means necessary, you got to figure out mm-hmm. how to get out there. And then on the flip side, you got guys who are, you know, world champions and dominating, but like no one knows who they are because you can't even... You, you can't even find them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. Social media is massive for boxing. And, that, and it frustrates us when I see talented fighters, very talented fighters, and they're not really using that to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because like you see, you can sell tickets and everyone wants a ticket seller, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so now you've had 24 fights. You've won a world title. You've fought... Uh, provocative, I can't Ruslan Provokov. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's who you beat for the... Yes, that was, that was for the world title. Um, that was in my 20th pro fight. We fought at the Barclays Center. Right. It was on June 14, 2014. I watched <laughs> that fight, and um, the, the thing that was the most disappointing about that fight was the HBO commentary was just a disgrace. Why? <laughs> because he was just outboxing the shit out of him the whole fight. And I'm not just saying this because you're here. I, I've, I thought this from when I watched it. And they just didn't give him a chance the whole time. They were like, all right, well, we're just waiting for Provodnikov to knock him out. And then it's like five rounds in, six rounds in. They're like, oh, well, this guy might stand a chance. Right. And then it's like, well, when's Provodnikov going to knock him out? That's the, the theme mm-hmm. of the whole fight. And then it was like 10, 11 rounds. I'm like watching it thinking he's not got, 
you know, he's, he won the fight. You're yeah. outboxing him. Andre and then, Ward, and, finally. And even like after yeah. like 10, 11 rounds, they were still like kind of refusing to admit that you were like clearly winning the fight. And then after 12 rounds, they go, oh, maybe we've got somebody here. I was like, fucking hell, wake up. You could have seen that from like five or six rounds if you knew anything about boxing. Yeah. Sometimes the, the, the HBO commentary just winds me up. It's, it's so biased. But anyway, that's a side issue. That fight from our side, we, we honestly thought that, that was kind of be somewhat of an easy fight. You know, he wasn't, it was a guy that we knew that we could outbox, you yeah, know, yeah. especially at 140 pounds. Uh, I'm a long guy. I'm a fast guy. I mm-hmm. had great conditioning. We knew we needed to utilize all those things. Um, and I thought that I was going to be able to frustrate him early the way I did late yeah. um, and kind of break him down over, over, over the rounds. And did it, you, you got dropped in the, was it the second round? It was first, first round. First round, it was, yeah. It was about a minute and a half into the first round. I, I, yeah. uh, I took a chance on a left hook and, and um, I got clipped yeah. and it just, it damaged my eye. It hit, it yeah, hit me yeah. in a funny angle. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, you boxed with like one eye for like 12 How rounds. was, how was, was your mindset when you got put down? I never got put down in a, in a fight, mm-hmm. but I've always wondered about, about that. Like, Obviously, we're fighters. We've got strong mindsets. But how, how was your mindset, especially in the first round? Was like, oh fuck. That was my first time being down as a pro in boxing. I had been dropped in, in kickboxing before, but it had been 20, 20 pro fights in right. a number of years since it, it had happened. But honestly, uh, Tony, I was I was just pissed because I made a technical because oh, I made a technical error. error. Right. I wasn't I wasn't upset because of, you know I got dropped and you know, my pride or anything like that. I was just like, damn it! I like I I knew I made a mistake. And I was like, I can't do that again. And this guy does hit as hard as everybody says. That's a great mindset to have. It's like you, you putting it on yourself. You're yeah, like, I think from, from that from that there and getting up and winning, that just shows a lot about you, a lot about your heart and determination. Because for some fighters, that would have just been like shit, you know, especially in the first round. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've got to have a proper strong mind, be very mentally tough, mm-hmm. like world champion. So you've, you've got that, you know, to, to get through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then winning that fight, what was that like? That was, I mean, it was, it was, that was a crazy moment, man. That would, I mean, that was my third world title because I'd won the two kickboxing world titles. And those meant just as much to me. But that night, I don't know, it just, it really, it validated everything that I was doing as a boxer. Right. You know, I was having a lot of trouble kind of getting recognized as a boxer and not a kickboxer yeah. anymore. So um, I think that really validated everything that I had done and all the work that it had been put in. Um, and then to do it through such a grotesquely injured eye and, you know, getting off the deck and, and, um, Doing it in front of so many people too it was one of the first fights at the Barclays Center. It was, it was right. massive. So you now, now you're world champion. Does that motivate you even more to, to to achieve more in the sport? Or obviously, you never just got complacent. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's funny. I, I I had I'm very I'm a very goal oriented person, and even from a young age, I always said like I wanted to do this, I wanted to do this, I wanted to do that with my kickboxing career. I said the same thing with my boxing career, and. Um, it was one of those things where I just didn't, I didn't aim high enough, honestly, because I, I got to 30 years old. I was a world champion and I was making money and I was just like, oh man, I should have really kind of shot further. I think I, I, I should have planned on um, winning multiple titles and going yeah. to different weight classes, those kind of things. So I kind of had to like readjust my, my, my goal setting after, after that fight. But um, winning a world title, it definitely, it definitely made me hungry. It made me right, hungrier yeah. for, for more. And then after that fight, was it Manny Pacquiao you fought? Pacquiao was the very next fight, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just, I'm, I'm guessing... The build-up, like when that fight got announced, your life changed. Right? Yeah, well, that 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 the build-up from that fight started at the post-fight press conference, the Bramica oh. fight. So Bob Arum got up there and he was just like, "I'd like to see Chris Algieri fight mm. Manny Pacquiao," because they were setting up Ruslan to fight uh, Pacquiao. Right. And so once I had beaten uh, Provodnikov, it was that we didn't have a a, a a a rematch clause. I didn't think there was it was necessary to even have one at all anyway. Right. I, neither did Bob, obviously, but um. 
it's funny. I even got the Provodnikov by beating a guy who was supposed to fight Provodnikov. Right. A guy named Emmanuel Taylor. He was 17-1 at the time, had 12 knockouts, um, had just scored two big knockouts on national television. He was supposed to kill me, too. Right. I beat him in order to get the Provodnikov fight. Uh-huh. And then winning the Provodnikov fight got me the Pacquiao fight. Yeah. So you've got that fight. I'm, I'm just imagining, like, from my personal experience, it's like qualifying for the Olympics. It's like, wow, now you're, now you're, now you're there. Now it doesn't get any bigger than fighting Manny Pacquiao mm-hmm. in, in this sport, uh, especially when you did. And it's like... Uh, so exciting and so nerve-wracking you know you've got a big uh, a big task ahead of you yeah but i'm sure you were up for that task fighting manny pacquiao is is an experience it's not a fight people always say like how was the pacquiao fight i'm like man it was the pacquiao experience because right. we had a we had a, a a multi-week press tour all over the world like yeah. we, i think we sat there seven or eight cities wow. or something like that traveling with the man you're fighting in two months you know like very close quarters with our teams and whatnot. His humongous entourage yeah. and my four guys, you know, <laughs> at the time. So it was, uh, it was, it was really an experience and incredible for me to, to. I mean, have boxing helped me see all these places that I, you know, probably wouldn't have seen. Yeah, that's awesome. Do, do you think that whole experience and all the press and all that affects? The, the your performance in the fight ultimately like it, it can yeah it can and I think it comes down to mindset again right you got to be tough to like kind of blank that out and separate yeah. it. absolutely and I think especially in pressure boxing and I, I think people miss this idea is that it is a team sport you have a lot of guys around you you got a lot of teammates and they um, have to do certain things whether it's your manager or your 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 trainers or your cutmen and what what they have to do to kind of protect their fighter in yeah. terms of all those outside influences. Right. It's very difficult when you get kind of get thrust into a scene like that. Um, and unfortunately for for our situations that it was all, all of our first times. You know, I was right. with my, my my coaches from day one who they were kickboxing coaches. You know, yeah, yeah. we we had made it. Oh really? Yeah, no. That my 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 two coaches were two former kickboxing coaches. So it was an experience for them as well. Exactly. Uh, and, I, and I'm I'm sure with with that, it's a uh, like you say, it's all new to you. So it's like, is it overwhelming? Would you say? Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, I think you alluded to this earlier. I'm I'm a pretty strong mentally focused and and, and guy. Um, you know, I was kind of good at managing all that, but. It was tough because, like I said, like I had to manage my team as well. You know, yeah. they were new and fresh to it, and wow. so we kind of had to kind of had to rein some guys in. Yeah, because I mean, that, that, that's I mean, your team is kind of like you see, it's it's everything really, because you've got to know what to see and when to see it at the right time to keep your mindset. And when, when to say no and when to say yes, because you don't have to do everything. And we didn't realize that. You know, we right. had these media obligations, and it's just like, oh, they're running me around ragged. Right. Whereas I got with trainers later, and they're like, no, you say no to that stuff. You got to yeah. go rest. Yeah. So uh, did you move trainers after that fight? I did, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. moved uh, to uh, John David Jackson. Right. Um, and our very next fight after the Pacquiao loss, I jumped right back in. I went right with Mir Khan. Yeah, I know. Let's talk about let's talk about the Pacquiao fight before we get uh-huh. into Army. Yep. Uh, so you get into there. You, let, 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 let's let's rewind. You're in the changing rooms before the fight. What's your mindset like? Different to any other fight? No, no. And uh, <laughs> they had asked me in the post press uh, press conference for the Pavanaka fight, "Would you fight Manny Pacquiao in your next fight?" I said, "Yeah." They said, "Would you fight him in China?" And I said, "Are we fighting in a ring?" They go, "Yeah." <laughs> they go, "Okay, so that's all, that's all yeah, that matters." Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, for me, I was just, you know, it was Pacquiao, it was Manny Pacquiao, it was you know, a, a living legend. But at the same time, it's just a man, you know, and, and it's a it's a boxing match. Yeah, you go out there and fight. Because you know, like if you if you beat Pacquiao, you're a household name, really. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think like that so much. Like I wouldn't want to think of the next thing. Right, but yeah. um, I, I really just kind of want to focus what was in front of me. But uh, you know, it's it's definitely hard to do when the magnitude is like yeah. that that big. Do you do you think his style? made you more 
reluctant to let your hands go because it's just was it was like the speed like overwhelming or like more than what you anticipated no the thing about manny is you can't really prepare for him and it's not so much the speed it's the angles it's right. it's the awkwardness it's the unorthodoxness it's mm-hmm. the and it's and i was i explain this all the time to people it's, it's not even so much that he's so awkward and the angles there but he generates power still right. he's in positions where he shouldn't be mm-hmm. able to hit you hard but he still can it's like when I was in the ring with Pradikov, there were very there were a lot of instances where I felt safe. I was in a position, I was off an angle, I was over his shoulders, outside his foot. I'm like, okay, I'm safe here. He's not going to be as strong here. Yeah. Pacquiao's not like that. Yeah. You you think you're safe, and then he pops you. And he's the one that's offsetting you all the time. Right? All the, he's, yeah, yeah. and he's making all these fine adjustments. Um, it, it's he's he's incredible. He really is uh, an amazing amazing fighter. Yeah. So. You lost that fight. Yeah. What, what was... I, ne- I never seen that fight. Did you watch that fight? I watched the fight, yeah. Yeah. How, how did that go? I just... I'm, I couldn't get anything going. You know, right. we, we had, um, we had a, a, a game plan. I'm a, I'm a game plan guy. If you tell me to do something as a, as, as a coach and coaching me, I'm going to listen. Right. You know, I've, I've always been that kind, of, that kind of boxer and that kind of athlete. Um, and the game plan was to be more defensive and counter fight and kind of get into the later rounds. We were expecting a much more aggressive Manny, kind of like that guy, a guy's going to try and blow you out kind of yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. But later in his career, after the Marquez fight, he became a really good boxer counter puncher. Yeah. And that's kind of what the fight, he used a great jab that night, yeah. his movement. Um, he, they were worried about my size, so he really used a lot of boxing yeah. that night. It was yeah. completely what I didn't expect. Good guy as well. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. seems like a, it seems like a really solid. good guy. Very solid. So yeah, like, like you said, then after that fight, you got the fight with Amir Khan. Amir Khan, massive, probably one of the biggest names in, in British boxing mm-hmm. uh, for the for the past I don't know so many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a Olympic teammate of mine. Yeah, uh, he won the 2004 Olympics. Uh, how did that fight come about? Straight after money. It, that was funny. That was a fight that um, for me personally, just personally, I always saw myself fighting Amir Khan. I, I, I thought that was a great fight for me over, over the years. I mean, even like when I was sub 10 pro fights, I was like, I could really see myself fighting Amir Khan. Like, right, I, yeah, I, yeah. I like that fight. I, yeah. think that, I think that fight makes sense. I think our styles would mesh really well. Um, not even sure exactly how it came up, but I mean, the name came up and I jumped at it. I was like, absolutely. I, yeah. I think that's it. You know, most people would probably have been like, that's not the best fight to have coming off your first loss against Manny Pacquiao, but I didn't care. I thought it was yeah. a great opportunity. Do you think Khan was, because Khan was looking for the Pacquiao fight, do you think he wanted to do a better job on you than, than Manny? He, he literally said that. He said oh, he that. Did. Yeah, he said that. That was trying to earn him the, the Mayweather fight. Right. He was saying, if, oh, I right, can, right. if I can stop Chris and Manny couldn't, that's going to get me the Mayweather right. fight in September. Yeah. My plan was to beat Khan and steal that May- that that Mayweather fight just like <laughs> I had done with right, with right. the Pacquiao fight. Um but it just it didn't go that way. So Speak- what, sorry go on. I was just going to ask speaking of speed again. Was was that a fighter that you were surprised by his speed because I know a few people have said like well he's fast but they don't really it's just surprising when they actually get in there with him how fast his hands are. Uh, so I I actually it's really hard to do to compare fighters but I compare uh Manny's and, and Amir Khan's speed. It's two of the fastest guys we've seen in, yeah, in yeah. recent memory. I fought them back-to-back. Um, I actually think Amir Khan's combination punching is faster than Pacquiao's. Right. Pacquiao's a really fast first step. Mm. His first movement's really quick. Um, but he's got lag in his punches where, where Amir's are very, very tight. Mm-hmm. So his combinations are super fast. Yeah. But um, I think I was really prepared for, for, for Khan and his speed. I don't think his speed was really what gave me the issue that night. Right, right. 
So h- how did you see? How would you see that fight going? I still think I won that fight. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, it's a great fight. I think everyone did. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know how Amir Khan's style is. I'm a big fan of Amir Khan. I think he's a, f- a fantastic fighter. Yeah. Um, he's got his style. He's very good at utilizing the ring, being a ring general, firing fast combinations, tying you up, spinning you, going back yeah. and tuning it over and over and over again. Um, if you get into a boxing match with him, it's very difficult to win rounds. Yeah, yeah. Right. So um, I changed my game plan entirely, and I, I, I literally beelined for him. I went yeah. from, from my corner to his corner. I cracked him an overhand right in the first round, hurt him, and really that was kind of the game plan, to get after him and get him late. Yeah. Um, he trains super hard. He's in phenomenal shape. I was really impressed with his conditioning because yeah. yeah. I expected him to fade late, and um, you know he kept it up. I still think I edged it. Um, to this day, I enjoy watching the fight. It's a fun <laughs> fight to watch. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, he's a su- he's someone who, like you see, you started late. He started early, right? And he was a super talented fighter. I remember sharing. I don't know if I told you this. I remember sharing a room with him when he was like uh, sixteen. I was like eighteen, and I, I said, uh, and he said to us, "He went, I'm going to go to the Olympics in 2004." I'm like. All right, mate. I, I, I definitely. <laughs> I. He's like, no, I'm going to go there. I'm going to win gold medal. I was thinking, this fucker is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, fast forward, he, he qualified, and then yeah. he went and he got a silver medal. Like, yeah. I've never, I've never seen anyone who, before, who said they're going to do something and like so confident and so believes in himself so much and actually doing it. Yeah. You no, know? super, super talented guy. So I mean, now we've spoken about money. We've spoken about. Uh, I mean, who who would win out with them two? I have always said that I thought that. Um, Amir's style would give Manny fits. Right. I think the size, the length, and just, like I said, the style that he has in terms of his using his footwork, firing his fast combinations, it would come down to if Manny was able to um, time him. Right. I yeah. think Manny had the power to hurt him. The, the exciting thing about that fight, I think, is it would break out into a bit of a war at points as well. I think they'd stand there and have a yeah. bit of a tear up with each other. And well. that's the great thing about, a, a, about Amir. It's like, he'll stand and fight, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even, even when he's outgunned. He, he loves a tear up. Yeah. yeah, he'll still do it. That's been his downfall, if anything. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's, let's talk about life, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me, so what, what do you do outside of boxing? So um, I've always been a, um, a, a good student, and, and my family, I'm very family-oriented um, between Argentinian and my Italian side family is a big part of the cultures um and but they've always stressed that education was really important so um during throughout my professional kickboxing career and majority of my boxing career i was i was a full-time student as well so i got my undergraduate degree from stony brook university on long island um in in uh pre-health it was a like a pre-medical program and then i got my master's degree in clinical nutrition um during my boxing career, yeah. and now I actually work as a, uh, a nutritionist, a sports nutritionist. Oh, you do? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're working out outside of the boxing as well? Yeah, so um, I am the head performance nutrition coach at Stony Brook University. That's a Division One school. Um, wow. We I have 400 students underneath my, my, uh, my watchful eye, nutrition eye. Yeah. Um, we built the program from, from the ground up. Right. And uh, it's going to grow. It's growing every year. This is the, the second year it's, uh, I've been working with them. And um, we've made some, some great strides with our athletes and what we're able to provide for them. Um, it, not just in terms of their education, but in terms of actually the foods and the products and the things that are available to them. How, how, go on. I was going to say, you can start talking to him and educating him on nutrition because whenever I tell him anything about <laughs> nutrition, he won't listen to me. Well, uh, <laughs> what, what do you think of the high fat diet? Um, I, th- you know, the thing about diets is depending on what your goals are, um, right. when you say high fat, you th- you're thinking like a ketogenic diet, yeah. like, yeah, okay. Um, I think for, for most sedentary adults, it's probably fine and it can work and it can, it, it can work for anyone in terms of what the way you look. Yeah. Um, but in terms of performance, it's, it's not, 
fat is not the optimal fuel for any kind of explosive movement or long duration, um, you know, fast repeats, which yeah. boxing needs. Mm-hmm. People ask me about being ketogenic boxing. I'm like, you're gonna, you're not gonna be as fast. You're not gonna be as strong. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing like a long duration run, sure. But if you have to be explosive with repeat sprints, it's not the right diet. Like. Yeah, yeah. So what would your diet be on? on what would you eat in on a day of a, of a training camp? Yeah, so um, I'm actually in training camp. Well, Daniel Jacobs just fought last night. I'm his in-camp nutritionist for his last two fights. Oh, really? Yeah, so I've been working with Danny, um, yeah, full-time for, for his last two camps. I'm in camp oh, with nice. him for two months. Um, it's been it's been a great experience. He's, uh, he's, he's progressed quite a bit. He's a big middleweight. Right, yeah. Um, yeah but yeah. honestly, we're making the weight pretty easy at this yeah. point. It's pretty cool. That's, that's pretty – I've never heard that before, like another boxer, uh-huh. like a high-level boxer like yourself, helping other high-level boxers and stuff like that. Yeah, it's good to what, – what, what would a typical day be, ideal, ideal day for a, a boxer? So, so I'll use Danny as an example um, since I'm literally coming fresh off, off, uh, off his camp from last night <laughs> um yeah. he you know he generally wakes up when we start our day with it with a green shake you know we want to get so we want to get our nutrition in right away we want to get as much greens in as possible spinach and broccoli um you know with some protein powder we usually put some kind of juice in there um i i'm a big fan of of, of beets beet juice because of the nitric oxide yeah. opens up the blood vessels opens up the vascularity mm-hmm. gets kind of the metabolism going early in the day um and then we either have a cardio session then in the morning after the shake um, or we're going to rest if we have sparring, for example, in the afternoon, and we'll have like a regular a breakfast. Yeah. I generally keep the carbs heavy on a sparring day, on a day when he's going to be boxing. Um, so something like a you know, bowl of oatmeal with some eggs on the sides and, and, and a lot of fruit. Um, on leaner days or days where he's not going to be as active or it doesn't have to be maybe as technically sharp and we're trying to kind of cut his weight down, I'll cut the carbs back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do like a more vegetable-based omelet, um, slide, sides of, you know, cut up peppers. Still have some fruit, but just less carb carb central than, than right. on sparring days. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you know, so we, we, we utilize a lot of shakes and things immediately after workout just because the liquid absorbs faster. We want to get uh, glycogen resynthesis going after your, after your training. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to have protein for, for recovery. And then, um, you know, we have a couple other smaller meals throughout the day. Uh, Danny, for example, is a big fan of bison meat. So we oh, yeah. normally have bison, bison meat three days a week uh, during camp. Keep his iron levels up. Um, keep the, you know, high-quality protein coming in. Keep the fats and calories yeah. up. Yeah. And then, uh, then obviously lots of water. Lots of water throughout the day. Keeping the hydration is really important, um, especially as you get closer to fight time. Yeah. I have a lot of athletes who will reach out to me or coaches who will, who will come to me a couple days before the weigh-in. Hey, my guy weighs this. What can we do? I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know what his hydration level's at. I can't tell you how much water he can pull in order to make the weight. It's like, oh, he's three pounds over. That's nothing, right? Well, if he's already dehydrated, right, yeah. three pounds is a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, if he's fully hydrated, then yeah, it's a workout. He's good. If he's if he's severely dehydrated, that's not coming off. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I'm sure you've seen this too, Tony. Guys will be working out in a sauna for two hours and lose half a pound. Yeah. Oh yeah. The body yeah. just won't give it anymore. Yeah, that's crazy. I remember uh, Frankie Gavin. Are you familiar with yeah, Frankie Gavin? Yeah, absolutely. So he he qualified for the Olympics the same time as me. He, he won the World Championships amateur, unbelievable amateur boxer, and he was the same. He was he was training every single session in a sauna suit. Mm-hmm. And then getting weird, and then having a little bit to eat, a little sips in the in the sauna, working out all the time, and losing half a pound. And it's just like fuck. And his piss is like orange, orange and yeah. it stinks. How, how yeah. far out from the fight? Like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he feel though he, he just give up. He was like two and a half kilo. It's like five pound over, yeah. and he just give up. And he never went to the Olympics, which was so sad because a guy who he beat 
pretty comfortably won the gold medal. In fact, he would have wow. definitely won the gold medal, yeah. that Russian kid. Uh, but it comes down to... Uh, I think it comes down to discipline. Mm -hmm. Like you need, you you can't rely on doing it the week off. I think I think yeah. with me, I I done it for eight weeks. I would diet cop, cop, uh, correctly for eight weeks and maybe pull a two pound off the day before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know what, but the UFC they do it even worse than boxing. Have you seen that? Stuff? I work with a lot of pro UFC fighters myself. You do um, yeah, I actually work probably more UFC and MMA guys than I do boxers at this right. point. Um, you know, because they do have very drastic weight making, uh, methods, yeah. you know, and, and they kind of, they can do it more than boxers, um, because of the style of the sport itself. Um, and it, it probably helps them more to be heavier than it would for a boxer. You know, if yeah. you're a boxer, if you're gaining 20 pounds, it's not going to help you. You need, right. to, you need to be fast and fit and keep your you know, conditioning up. Um, but with the MMA, you've, you've, you've got that that ground portion, the gripping, the holding, the body weight, yeah. you know, much more than a boxer does. So um, putting weight on can be more beneficial or, or can be utilized by them better than, than, than a boxer. But, yeah, some of these guys, they're pulling 25 pounds. And yeah. Did like you see that video with that uh, cyborg? When oh, yeah, she the was Chrissy Cyborg. Yeah. Did you see that where she, she, she was, like, crying, like, in pain, yeah. like, fucking dying? And Carrying people it around to her. scale. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, did you see that video the other day with some... Uh, Oh, the Ch guy that was Chinese like, guy even walk off the who scale. carried him to the ski. I saw that. Yeah, I did see Fucking that. Fucking hell, how sad is that? Now you got to go fight. Yeah. Now you got to go fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, them trainers need to be ashamed of themselves, and everyone around that should be ashamed of themselves. He shouldn't be able to fight like that, surely, right? You know, he no, should, I he mean, should feel a medical. It's yeah. an extreme case, I mean, but it's, uh, how that's even happening is beyond belief. Yeah. So, Chris, how often are you, are you working, like, outside of, outside of boxing? Um, I... I mean, I don't have a lot of clients like like Daniel. You know, obviously he's he's my biggest client. He's my my star client at the time at the moment. So when he has camp, you know, it kind of shuts down everything else, and I right. have to kind of really focus on him. Um, but you know, in between, like I, I work remotely with a lot of athletes and that are on long distance, and I, I send them meal plans and we talk on the phone. Right. They kind of reach out to me. It's more of a consultation base. You know, yeah. how, how do I do this? Where should I do that? Um, you know, my weight's here. How do we look? Right. Um, like when guys have fights, like fight week, I'll be I'll talk to them multiple times throughout a day. Yeah. You know, every day until the fight. Do you, do you enjoy that? I do. I like sharing the knowledge of, of and my experiences going through this. Um, even like you were saying, like it takes discipline, but it also takes some education. It takes yeah, some knowledge yeah. about how to yeah. how to do this the right way and why you're doing it. Right. Um, you know. So I, I and also it keeps the sport safer. Yeah. You got guys now who are coming into fights healthier. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, yeah. there's less of a chance of the, there's always a risk in our sport. Our sport's deadly. Yeah. It, the, but there's uh, we're limiting that risk by having these guys be properly hydrated, properly fueled, making the weight the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. You know? How big um, are you on supplementation as well with your with your nutrition plans? I think um, I think with the, th the thing about supplementation is it's just that. It's a, it's a supplement to a, to a whole foods diet. Um, I think the higher up the 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 competition level you get, the the, the more reason there is to supplement. Mm -hmm. um, the higher level of the training load you know, the training volume throughout the week, it becomes very difficult to, to hit certain nutrition markers if you're not utilizing uh, supplements as well. Right. So um, I do use them quite a bit with myself and with my athletes. Any specific examples for, like, which 
purposes use supplementation like mm-hmm. for yeah. like joint health or like focus you know mental performance that side of things yeah so um people ask me all the time about like, like pre-workouts like i'm not really a big guy on pre-workout um yeah. I, my, my i feel like my heart rate goes through totally. the roof um but i am a big fan of coffee you know so i use right. i use coffee quite a bit um and i i found i was also a fan of, of nootropics which are good for mental focus our sport is a skill sport even mm-hmm. though it's a very physically oh, yeah. demanding metabolic sport yeah um so uh, there's a, a brand chimera coffee which Compa- combines the two mm-hmm. of coffee and you're getting caffeine, but there's also nootropics to keep you sharper. So um, I utilize that as, as a pre-workout. Um, we have that in our gyms and it's fantastic. We love it. Awesome. We have it before we train, uh, when we train clients and we're on fire. Yeah. Well, one thing that I love about the Chimera coffee is that they, can, they put L-theanine in there. Mm-hmm. So that kind of like counter effects the caffeine in a sense where like instead of getting that like jittery, jittery like yeah. wired feeling, yeah. Where you you don't want that when you're training, like what no, you're saying, you like well, pre-workouts give you yes. that overstimulation. Mm-hmm. The theanine like gives you just that focused, like clear kind of energy. I find anyway, like like green tea, right? Yes, yeah. yep. That's high in theanine. So mm-hmm. yeah, we've got it, we've got it on tap in the gym, and then you see the trainers just walking around, just like yeah, yeah, yeah full of energy. <laughs> wired to go. People's just fucking <laughs> loving them and they're oh, performing well, I, really well. I gotta grab some of that later. Then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, there's some other supplements that I think are really uh, really beneficial. Creatine monohydrate is one that gets a bad rap, um, but the science supports. You know the, the health of it actually, and, and how safe it actually is. Um, and the, the one point that it does—I mean, it does make you more explosive. It, it helps with it as a as a as a, a buffer, so you can do fast repeats and explosive movements more. Yeah. You can get one more rep out of a, out of a workout, something like that. Um, but it is great for brain health. Um, it, it, there's more and more research coming out that um, you know. Uh, post-traumatic brain injury creatine monohydrate can be can be beneficial for oh, wow. for neurological um, safety and recovery yeah. so I think for any athlete who's going to be getting hit in their head boxers obviously more than most yeah, yeah. Cr- football players as well uh, creatine has a has a good place in the cupboard how do you find it as far as re- retention of water weight because I know that's one of the yep. criticisms of it is like you tend to hold way more water weight when you're mm-hmm. creatine that's definitely something that I think that it keeps fighters away from it because um, boxers we're always worried about the scale Mm-hmm. Every fighter, most guys are afraid of the scale. They don't even want to get on it, yeah. Yeah. see where they're at. Um, it, it, it creates a, a very catabolic nature to the sport. Everyone's always trying to lose, 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 lose. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about the creatine um, weight retention that's involved is that you retain it in your muscles. that allows your muscles to work more efficiently and work better and be stronger. Um, but it, it clears after a few days. So if you were to cut it out leading up to the weigh-in, you're right. going to find that you're actually losing weight faster anyway. Okay. So it's and, and generally, it's like a, a kilo or a yeah, you know, yeah. a pound or pound, one to three pounds is usually what you find. Everyone's different, but um, but yeah, I, I always suggest to my athletes just just cut it out three days before and yeah. the way, and you're good. Yeah, let let's talk a little bit. You touched on there about the brain health. Is that something you worry about with boxing? A thousand percent. Oh you yeah. Do? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Always have. Right. Always have something that um, you know, being being an intellectual guy and being a, being a student my whole life, um, you know, and being around other intellectual people, especially in the world of health and medicine, mm-hmm. um, it got brought up all the time. You know, like, what about your brain? Like, yeah. you know, you're doing a sport where you're literally, you know, losing brain cells. I'm like, yeah, but that's all, that's that's why. For one, I train the way that I do. I'm in the best shape possible. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I eat the way I do, so I have the, I'm properly fueled and have the right nutrients for recovery. Um, three, the way I fight. You know, I don't fight. I'm not a, a forward nose banger. You yeah. know, who's who's getting taken a lot of punishment. Um, so there, there's ways to minimize the risk, but again, it, the sport is risk. Um, it's refreshing to hear that because I've had boxers on here before, and it's something I asked them about, and it's something that I think about a lot right now. 
and they're like, nah, we, we don't really think about that because then yeah. they see the last thing you want to think about, and I, and I get it in the camp, is like, you've been punched in spawn, oh, that's going to do damage, long-term effects, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so it's refreshing to hear that, because that, that, this, this is something that I'm, I'm very worried about now. Like I said, I, I had 106 fights and been punched in the head an awful lot of times, and there's a place in Vegas called the Cleveland Clinic. Have yes, you heard of that? I have. Absolutely. Have you been? Mm -hmm. I have not. No. Yeah. So they'll, they'll fly out there if you, if you I can give you the contact. They'll fly out there and they'll do they do these brain tests, computer tests, and all that. Yeah. It's very interesting. They're trying to figure out. I don't know what they're trying to figure out. Really, it's just a lifelong study. It's like just a continuous study, and they're seven years in, and their uh, subjects are all all ex pro fighters, mm -hmm. UFC fighters, and they're just uh, annually testing them on. Uh, like co cognition, yeah. and, like reflexes and mm. balance and things like that. And then just over the course of like seven years, um, they're just trying to see like like degradation or improvements and, and that kind of thing. I think that's so. fantastic. I think I think the more research um, that we can get on our athletes, our boxers specifically, I think is great. I mean, it's going to help the future. Yeah. We, can, we, can, we can also flag guys that there may be potential problems down the line. We don't mm -hmm. see some of these tragedies that, that occur. Yeah. I seen that Aaron Hernandez the other day got the the test of his brain. Do you know that footballer? Yes. Uh -huh. And he had bad CT as well. Oh, that's the one that you was on. You sent me that on Twitter, was it? Yeah. So I think. Uh, are you familiar with that guy? I am. Yes. Yeah. So he and murdered this, this situation. Yeah. his friend, or was it? I'm not really sure, but I know he murdered someone. And now it's been flat. Like he had CTE, bad CTE, and one of the uh, things with CTE is you get anger issues and mm. anger problems. So now it's like, did this? cause him to go and fucking kill someone right the, the hard thing with CTE I think is it's not diagnosable yet is it it's, it's still not, not and no. that, I think that's one of the main things they're trying to get out of this Cleveland yeah. Clinic study is like how can we get to a point where we can actually like see traits in personalities and actually diagnose CTE because right now it's only like post yeah death when, when you're dead you that's it. the only thing yeah, you when, find you, when you yeah. cut the brain open right. check it out but scary stuff. It is. It really is scary stuff, and it's um, it, it's kind of like opening Pandora's box as well. Mm -hmm. If we're if we're figuring out that we've got these great athletes who now have this 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 brain damage, then yeah. what do we do with that right. information? Yeah, like, do we cut these guys' careers? Yeah, well, I mean, what you're supposed to do? Like, I mean, it doesn't help. Like, I was ten year ten years old when I started fighting. Mm -hmm. You know, and getting punched as a ten year old fighting all the way through like twenty seven, getting punched in the head that many times. Obviously, it's had some effect mm -hmm. on you, you know what I mean? But what can you do? How, how can you make boxing safer? You cannot really, unless you, you well, you cannot, unless you do think, with shoulders and body. I think it's about attitude and mentality, and that's what's refreshing about Chris. Yeah, definitely. It's like you're, you're aware of it, and you're, you're smart enough to understand, okay, this is a dangerous sport. Mm -hmm. This is going to have an impact on my brain and my body. What can I do to, you know, maximize the, the, the trauma and the effects and pre protect myself? From it, you know, give myself maximum protection from it. I'm still crazy enough to put myself on the line, but totally, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, but it's things <laughs> like diet and nutrition and, and looking after your brain and, and looking after your body and and just basic things like reading and being smart and up on, on top of all this stuff is probably going to protect you more long term than somebody who's got who pays zero attention to it. It's just like, oh, I'm a fighter, I get punched. I don't give a shit, boom. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Or I don't want to think about it and lose my yeah, edge. Yeah, exactly. That's, kind that's, of bury that in sand a little yeah. bit. Yeah, your edge keeping it, which is really good. Like mm -hmm. when I was just in New York there, I was in a gym called Mendez Boxing Gym. Yeah. And there was a guy in the ring there f spawned with some novice 
and he's letting the novice punch him in the face pretty hard and he's like come on and he's letting him punch him in the face and I'm just sitting there cringing thinking you what fucking you idiot <laughs> stop that because you know I mean I, I've done that as well when I, when I was younger and it's because it's you don't realise it's like a bravado thing isn't it it's yeah. like, and there's so much of that in just fight world yeah and it's, it's just like come on mate what you fucking I feel like yeah. you're going to shake yeah. you know but like you say if, if we can educate more people on what you're saying and, and you know that your, your nutrition is going to help this and doing stuff like not letting people punch you in the face, you know, trying to work on defense. I think that would help as well. Oh, yeah, totally. I think, uh, I, I think I was lucky too with my coaches just throughout my entire career because they really, they really stressed like defense and not being, not being tough for the sake of being tough. Right. You know, um, I, even throughout my, 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 my boxing career, I was always known as a, as a boxer, you know, and then the Pavanakov fight showed that I was actually tough. Right. You know, people, that was kind of like my, the thing people were going into that fight saying. It's like, well, once he gets hit with something, you know, like he's never really been hit. Once he gets hit, that's yeah. going to be it. Um, I had always been tough. I just never had to show it. Um, but I was always pushed by my coaches to, to not utilize my tough side, to use my, my, my smarts, you know, yeah. and, and, don't take punches, unnecessary punches. Right. Don't. There's, there's never a reason to, to get hit, totally. you know, if, if, if you could avoid it. Yeah, yeah. Do you know any other fighters who's got that mindset? Because I don't think that I do. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's because <laughs> you started when, when you were older, you are more yeah. educated on it, where a lot of fighters start at the age of 10 and they don't know any different. I, and I guess I never really thought about, about, about that exactly, about whether they're fighters, if they really think about it. But Yeah. But I just think, like, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but, like, for someone like Floyd who's just, you know, a defensive master mm -hmm. and how much shit he gets for his fights being dull and, un un yeah. you know, boring and not entertaining. It's like the, the bottom line is people want to see a tear-up. That's the entertainment side of right. it. Yeah. But it's like, to me, the entertaining side is seeing someone with just pure skill who can avoid punches and... and and out, no, outscore yeah, the definitely. other person. That's the art of that's yeah. the, art, the skill exactly. of boxing. You hit and not get hit. So, right? Chris, what's next? Um, I'm looking to get back in the ring next year. You know, I've I've uh, I've been away from the sport for a little while. I had to um, work some things out from the business side. I had to work some things out from um, even even just my 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 passion side. You know, for the sport. You know, this the, I say it all the time. This is the best sport in the world. It's the worst business in the world. Yeah. And it can really it can really tear you down. And um, you know, I, I don't want to leave this sport hating it. Yeah. You know, so I think it was good for me to take a little bit of a, a mental health, come you know, rest after yeah. those, those those big fights and those big couple of years I had. Um, you know, so I, but my passion for the sport is is alive and well. Um, I'm excited for the future of, of what was going on with boxing. I'm excited for my future. Yeah. Um, I still think I have uh, a lot of big fights left in me, and I want to make another run at world title. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because you said you had goals before. What's the goals now? You want to get that title back? I want to be a world champion again. Nice. I want to be a world champion. I, I I've I never lost my title in the ring. I was stripped. You know, I was 20 and 0, and I got and I got stripped. You know, before I fought Pacquiao. Um, you know, I think that um, th th there's a place for me having having some straps. Yeah. Are you looking? Would you be back at 140? I would fight either. Um, I think I'm better served at 40, and I can still make it. I never. I never. If you look at even on my my my, my records, I've never weighed 147 for any of my welterweight fights. I'm right. always a couple pounds under. It really. Yeah. You know, I didn't have to cut a lot of weight for those. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 140, I you know, I have to I have to squeeze a little bit, but um, you know, even when I fought Profanikov at 140, like I was the guy more energetic at the end. So obviously, you know, making the weight wasn't the issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. Chris, where can people find more about you? Easiest place is chrisaljury.com. Everything yeah. you got, everything through there. And your social media, it's all, all through there too. It's all, all if there. you can spell my name, you can find me. <laughs> good luck with that, though. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, mate. Well, thank you very much for coming on the Box Life podcast. It's been great talking to you. And uh, next time you're in LA, let's do it again. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Thanks nice so much, one. guys. Awesome. Really, really nice good one. stuff. Nice one. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Please do me a favor and subscribe on iTunes. Every time I upload an episode, you'll get a notification. Also, if you can, leave me a review on iTunes and share this with your friends. You know, I do this podcast for free. I do it for a hobby. I love doing it. But it really helps when you uh, when you share it and tell more people about it. Because I want to I want to spread the word. Obviously, I want to get it bigger and better. And uh, yeah, so please thank you for listening and please help me out by subscribing and leave me a review. Until next time, we'll see you later.